0: working, starting a new series, working through the book of Philippians, and just got back from a couple days, uh, enjoyed time with folks at our ABF uh, uh, camping trip. We were at Carpinteria for a couple days, and somebody pointed out that it was very biblical that we were there because there was so much sand and many tents. And so uh, anyway, that was f- a fun time uh, together, And but diving back in now, and I believe one of the greatest gifts that we can give as a church is to be focused on just working through books of the Bible rather than jumping from topic to topic. I'm committed to just teaching the Word, and so we're going to be working through the book of Philippians, starting with chapter 1 here this morning. As I was thinking about the the topic and kind of uh, title for this series, Life Interrupted, I was thinking about the way that life and how God typically works through life is there's usually you're going along, kind of doing your thing, And then there's something that happens, whether it's a a positive or a negative, might call it an interruption, that you know after it's occurred, life will never be the same. After this instance, after this particular thing, whether it's the birth of a child, a marriage, something dramatic, the loss of a loved one, maybe a a new job, a new contract, a new whatever it is, you know in your heart of hearts once it happens, you're like, whoa, life is going to be different now. See, God chooses to use different life interruptions because that's part of his process of changing us and shaping us to be more like himself. And so I'm excited this morning because I would say that if there's ever a life interruption, this book would have been that for the little church in Philippi that was receiving it. Upon reading these words, I would propose that they came out on the other side of this letter very different people. I think one of the things that keeps us from a change is we get stuck in some ruts and routines. I was just kind of joking with the first service and looking around, and I've noticed that there's a tendency that we tend to do the exact same things. In fact, even the places we sit here On Sunday mornings, there's people that are like, that's their designated seats, that's their designated seats. And so just with this theme of life interrupted, I'm going to stir the pot here for a moment. Are you guys okay with being stirred? I would like the people sitting on this side of the room to go sit on this side of the room. If you're 75 and older, you can skip this, but the, the, the rest of you, we're flipping sides right now. Tell somebody hello on your way past them. Wow, this was a bigger challenge than I thought. (laughs) I like to see that people are even making sure that they get the same position in the row on the other side. I honestly thought John Moss was going to have the big one right here and now, like he's like just complete panic when he saw this change of seating. And here's the reason I do that: one, because it was fun to watch you all, but, uh, but 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 two, I believe God has a plan for us through the study of this book. You think about the interruption that Paul had. We remember when he used to be named Saul, and he's heading to, to Damascus to exterminate Christians. He encounters God, all of a sudden on the other side of it, he's a different person. He's a changed man, literally a new name, a new calling, a new occupation, and a new passion for Jesus Christ. And that's my prayer for us as a church, that we would choose to engage with this book to such a degree that we're never the same. Anybody believe that God could do that through his word? I believe that. Let me pray towards that end as we dive in. God, thank you so much for this chance to be together in your house and even the freedom to celebrate you, to worship you already, to appropriately elevate your name. You're so awesome. You're so good and faithful to us. Now we ask that you'd speak to us through this text. Even in this opening section, I still believe you have a word for us. We invite you now to work and move. I ask that we'd be able to effectively put the the struggles and the chaos and the drama of our lives on the shelf and I'll ask you to speak to us directly pray this in the strong name of Jesus Christ amen amen all right are we doing okay are we settled you guys okay on the other, this side this, this is my better angle anyway no I'm just kidding uh so we're diving in verse one of chapter one in uh Philippians if you don't have a Bible, there's one in a chair in front of you, and it's so much easier to go through this if we're looking at the same thing together. The first section, first couple of verses, really just set up for a little background. It says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a little background on this. Is the the letter is written it was written about twenty seven years after Christ's ascension, so about twenty seven years later, Paul writes this. He mentions Timothy in the beginning there, but most likely it's just Paul speaking. But he's elevating the authority that they see with Timothy because he's about to send him to them eventually. He's writing to the a church, a likely a small church in the city of philippi this was a the, the city of philippi known actually named after king philip II four years earlier who was the father of alexander the great is now a, a roman colony made, mostly made up uh, of gentiles really a very small jewish population there so this was right up paul's alley because he was what a missionary to those were outside of the 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 body of Christ there, as he had known with the the Jews growing up. So he's reaching out to them. Present day, you could visit still the remains today. And I I love this. You can see a picture still of what Philippi looks like. Very beautiful area, landscape that's surrounding it. Kind of a, a fertile area, if you will. You can find it in present day Greece. Another piece that I enjoy is the fact that we're not talking about made up cities or fiction. I mean, these are legit places you can still visit today. Paul is writing, and this is the unique thing because based on the theme of it being mostly talking about joy, he's writing from, tell me where he's at when he's writing this letter. Anybody have an idea? He's he's literally in prison. So he's writing, he's penning these words to this church. This was the very first of the church plants that he ever started, kind of a neat thing you can actually read about this church in Philippi and its start. In Acts 16, maybe you do that in your own study this week, but one thing I thought was neat was the collection of how he had brought together the believers that made up this church. Listen to the, the start of this church. Maybe we can relate with this. One, the very first convert was a really wealthy businesswoman. Her name was Lydia. So that's first person that came to came to Christ, start of the church. Second person, a girl, a young girl, servant girl that was demon-possessed. Paul casts the demon out. She comes to Christ, embrace him, number two. Number three, Paul, after the demon interaction, he gets thrown in prison for this. It's a long story, you can read about it. But uh, he gets thrown in prison, leads then the the head prison guard to, to, to Christ. So now this is the start of the very first church and it gives us hope because it's made up of a rich lady, a servant girl, and a jailer. You're like, what in the world And that's why when he writes to this church and he's describing, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's understanding that this is a grace that includes everybody. It's an invite that everybody's included. So he's starting even talking about Jesus Christ right out of the gates. I thought it was interesting. I was reading a little bit about that of the 104 verses of Philippians. Jesus is mentioned 51 times. You can hardly make it through a verse without talking about this source of grace that he's writing to this little church. Most of the church, or most of the letters to the churches in the New Testament, are correcting doctrinal errors where they'd really blown it and gotten off track. Not this one. this This one's this one's more of a, a word of encouragement, more of like a, a thank you note. But in the same way that we start in a conversation with somebody and you find out common bonds with them, you know when you're interacting with somebody, you find some things that you have like interests or backgrounds. And uh, in this case, he starts with writing to the church and kind of establishing some common bonds that they all have together. Let's take a look as he's writing to these saints. In uh, verse 3, it says, "'I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy.'" Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Paul starts by thanking God for them, obviously. and You see in the text that this wasn't his first time thanking them. He says, always in every prayer of mine for all of you. In other words, this was a regular occurrence. Paul was just thankful for these people. He says when, when, he, when he prays about them, it actually brought him joy. I don't know if you have anybody in your life like that, and it says every remembrance, like that person, that anytime you think about that person, they kind of brings a smile to your face. Yeah. You're just like, man, I'm just grateful. I think about my three little kids. Man, I think about Sienna, Alexa, and Chase. Every time I think about them, it just, it just makes me happy. And he's he's saying that to this little group, this little church family. He's saying, Man, every time I think of you, it brings me joy. Look in the text though, in verse 5. What about them brings him joy? What do you see there? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Kind of cool picture there. See, the the reason you bring me joy, this common bond that we have, is because why? What does it say? Your partnership in the gospel. Gospel partnership is what he's thankful. In other words, saying, man, we're all after God. The same thing. We have the same mission. We have the same cause. I, I like how one pastor described the gospel partnership. A relationship built on mutual commitment to the common mission of making disciples of Jesus Christ. We're all on the same page. We're, when we think about, hey, what, what's your life about? Man, I'm about, I'm about ex- expanding the kingdom. about introducing people to the saving love of Jesus Christ. He's saying that brought him joy. It's like wondering about this little church in Philippi, and you're like, what do you think they were doing right that they got this title partake, that they got this title of being gospel partners? Kind of a, a cool picture there. I was trying to think in our own church. I'm like, "Where? what are some pictures of where we do a good job of gospel partnership? This last Monday, you, you always hear all of these announcements and things we talk about, but some of the things you, like, it's awesome when you go there and you start to see like, whoa, this is this really is a partnership. We do this Conejo Valley meal program that we participate in once a month. It's a newer ministry to our church. And I was just observing that on Monday night. And I was like, man, this is an awesome picture of the church coming together. Let me just give you a little description of it just for a second. This isn't even necessarily advertisement. It's just a cool thing I observed. Is uh, So we have one Uh, girl Gina that coordinates a a menu she passes it on to a bunch of people everybody brings together all these items food items for the the meal for that day they drop them off we have a group of people there that are all ready to serve they have a check-in system then they have 70 plus uh, homeless folks or folks struggling that show up for for this meal Everybody, lots of different groups make these sack lunches together. We serve the meal before the meal. It's kind of cool. We establish this. We do like a, a devotional. I do just like a 10-minute thing of sharing the gospel. And I was looking at that on, on Monday, where it's all these moving parts with the same mission of proclaiming Christ, both in action and in and in, in, in word. And, and it was a beautiful, I was like, man, that is what gospel partnership looks like. And so for those of you, first off, that was like uh, a little bit of a sales pitch. Maybe try that out sometime. But second, I was like, man, what a picture. And really every culture and environment around the, them has opportunity for this partnership. I grew up listening to a, a pastor. His name is Harvey Carey. He was, always spoke at the camps that I was a part of in Chicago. I don't know if you've heard of him before. He's based out of Detroit. Super passionate preacher. I was listening to him. And he was telling the story of what the gospel partnership looks like in his community. He lives in uh, ministers in Detroit, Michigan, which isn't always known for the, being the, nest, the nicest environment. This is what he was saying that their uh, gospel partnership looks like. He says, we do campouts. I was thinking about that as our nice little uh, beach campout. He's like, we do campouts, but what we do, first off, he, he explains, he's like, we don't like to go in the woods because like the woods doesn't need to hear about us singing kumbaya. And so he says, what we do is he says, we take a group of like a hundred men and we set up camp outside of crack houses. And I was like, wow, that's, uh, we should do the same thing in Agora. But, uh, <laughs> but he set, sets up outside and he says, we bring all of it. He says, we bring the, the hot dogs to roast. We do the s'mores. We got the guitar playing, singing kumbaya. He said, you know what happens? People don't buy a lot of drugs when there's Kumbaya being played in the front of the crack house, and he's like, he's like, you know what? This is effectively done. It's a cool story. He's like, we've shut down not one, not two, but eight different major drug houses in Detroit because these people said, you know what? We're all in this together. We're gospel partners in this. He goes on to paint this picture, and I love this illustration. He says, you know, it's kind of like. He said, if you had bought really expensive tickets to a sporting event. I don't know if anybody has been to an overpriced, spent a little bit overpriced on a ticket, and you're like, I don't know if that was worth it. I know, the, I know some friends that made it to the Broncos game last year, and uh, that was a big deal. But imagine if you show up to the sporting event, you get there, and you know you paid a big price. You're standing, you're sitting in the, in the audience, and they start the game, and they all, they go in the middle, and they, they have their huddles, Five minutes passes. Ten minutes passes. They're still in the huddle. Thirty minutes passes. Everybody's starting to like what in the world? What's going on? Here? Forty-five minutes passes. And you're like, wait a second! I paid big bucks for a, a pass, not to see them in a huddle, but to see them play, to see them out on the field doing what they get paid to do. And you start, and he, he brings up, he goes, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. He sent his only son. And whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He's like the, the major price has been paid. The expensive ticket has been bought. He's not expecting for his church. This is the mission of the church. He's not expecting for the church to stay in the huddle. See on our, our, our wall when you walk in on Sunday mornings, encounter, equip. Yeah, that's what we do here. Encounter Christ, to be equipped. But then there's the extend peace to it. And that's what he's saying. That's what we have as the bond that holds us together. I would love to invite this church. I know some of you are right in the thick of it. But if you're on the outside, if you're on the fringe, if you're not experiencing this gospel partnership, you're missing out on all that God has for you. And if you're wondering why your life is feeling like it's lacking purpose and direction, man, try this on for size. It will radically change the way you think about whatever you're doing when you're a partner with this effort. This was the common bond he was pointing out, and he loved it about them. It brought him joy. Take a look, the look at the next uh, the common bond that he has in verse six, 6, and it says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work, In you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What beautiful words of encouragement! Who who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. A lot of us have are familiar with that verse. I don't know if there's anybody else that was like this, but in in high school, I loved art class. was like my favorite. Loved drawing, loved painting, like doing all that stuff. In fact, I had a teacher that was like, "Man, you should pursue that as as a career." I remember, though, if I was drawing something or painting something, it would drive me crazy if there's somebody looking over your shoulder and being like, what is that? You ever had that? Any any artists in here? Like, what's that going to be? Oh, that doesn't look like a dog. You're like, what? Like, come on. The reason it drives you crazy, because what? Why? You're like, I'm not finished yet. Leave me alone. When it's done, you'll see kind of the finished product and where it was headed. And I remember even with this building project here, people are like, I don't know about that gray. And I'm like, wait till it's done. Like it it, it all works. And and here's the, the, the picture that he's saying to us. Don't freak out because transformation is guaranteed. This is good news first off for ourselves because sometimes we feel like, man, all these years, I'm still kind of a mess. Like, I'm not looking the way I should look. I haven't arrived yet. And this is, to to me, this is one of the more encouraging verses. He's just like, don't worry about it. I'm going to finish the work that I started. I'm going to keep doing that transformation process all the way to the point of perfection when Christ returns. All the way to perfection. It's an awesome truth. So right now, if you're feeling kind of messy and hard to identify, have hope that God's not finished with you yet. This is the common bond we have as followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, tell the person next to you, I'm not done yet, but it's okay. It's, it's good news. I'm not finished. Here's here's And here's the what I love is that he says, and what he loves is he says, I'm sure of this. I'm sure of this. So I, I'm feeling pretty good about the possibilities. And here's the last piece is that topic, and we'll move on. The last piece of that is this is not just hope about ourselves. It's also hope about people that we know that are in Christ, but you haven't seen the progress like you had hoped. God still has a plan. He's working behind the scenes, and he's going to bring them, whether they come willingly or kicking and screaming. Some of us are on that kicking and screaming route, and it's a lot harder Uh, as I'd suggest but here's the idea is that it's going to come to completion that's the common bond that we see here with these followers in Philippi verse 7 says it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart for you are for you are all partakers with me of grace both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel for God is my witness how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I don't know if you have someone in your life that isn't very good at expressing affection, where you you know they love you, you know that they care about it, but if you're honest, you're like, they're not real good at that. I had an uncle, we just called him Uncle Jack. We'd visit him, he's since passed, but he was in Philadelphia, and man, as I was younger, when I was younger, it didn't really, it wasn't a big deal, but as I've gotten older and reflected on it, I'm like, this guy was a grumpy old dude. Like anytime you went to see him, he's kind of just talking about like, he, first off, the, I think part of his grumpy factor was because he was always watching the news. So I would suggest that that's a starting point of turning off the news. Uh, but but man, anytime you're around him, it's just this negative. I was like, oh man, just exhausting to be around. I don't know if you have that person, but Paul clearly is not that guy. Like he is like, he is setting the bar for expressing affection here. Look, at it, it sounds like a, a Hallmark card. Listen, listen to what he says here. I hold you in my heart. I yearn for you. You're like, I mean, this is some good verbiage there. Like he was really good at expressing how he felt about this people group. And here's what I'd bring up to that. If you're wondering or looking for meaningful, committed, joyful relationships there's no better place to find them than in the church when it's working properly i added that little ending on there that's an important piece there there's no better place to find those type of intimate relationships within the body of christ why you see it right here in the text it says because they have all of these bonds together they have shared experience. And the thing that you notice there, he says, look at what he says. For you're all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In other words, they had been down this road together. I don't know when it, the, his defense of him. I don't know if that was some kind of a court scenario. But you do know that in prison, in that day and time, they didn't provide three meals and a warm shower. In fact, if you visit today, they'll point you and say, this was the prison. I don't know if it actually is. But that Paul was in, either way, whether that's the exact one or not, picture that closed off. You're in like a four foot by six foot block space, and he's in there, and really the only thing, so he's been in there at the point that he's writing this, four years in that. Four years he's in that that little concrete, and he's writing about joy. And he's saying, he's like, the reason I I think of you and the bond that we have is because we're in this together. You were there during the prison process, and most likely they're there bringing, passing the food through the whatever hole scenario that they had. Picture that. He's saying, that's the bond that we have. doesn't matter that I'm on this cold concrete. That's the bond that we have. There's something that comes that's more than having the same favorite sports team, more than having an uh, interaction about the weather. There's something that comes when you're like, no, man, we're, we're in this. We have a bond because we're both following jesus christ we're both drinking from the same well look at the term that he uses there that's the one that jumped out at me he says he says for all are partakers with me of grace they're all and i think that's a a beautiful picture of the church sometimes people have the perspective of the church like we should have all of our act together he's like no we're all drinking from the same cup Some are taking bigger gulps than others, but we're all drinking from the same cup. I was joking about this in the first service, and then I was really convicted about it because it felt like a confession. So sometimes my family and I, because I'm such a cheapskate, the kids will all ask for a soda at the restaurant. I think to myself, I'm like, well, those are free refills at Chipotle. I'm like, you know, if we get one, we can just kind of pass it around, Anybody else do this? I know it's bad. I, people reminded me of that. We're changing. We're taking some baby steps uh, out of that. But uh, but but here here's the point. It's kind of fun. We kind of take turns. We're like, hey, who gets to pick next? Oh, you're going. You're going, Mr. Pibb. You're doing root beer. You're doing Sprite. You know, I know that's bad with one cup, right? But but here's the here's the picture that he has. That he's saying. He's like, listen, don't think of any one of you as better than the other one because we're drinking of this same thing the same cup of grace we're all dependent on it take off the judgy hat take off that because you're drinking from the cup too you need it just like he does she needs it just like you you know what i mean like talk about something that bonds a group together when you start to understand oh man we're all drinking from this thing called grace together i'd propose you're not a lot quicker to extend it When you understand that, Jesus expands our capacity to love. He says at the end of that section, with the affection of Christ Jesus. He's the source of it. And Paul's hope is that they're going to grow in it as well. That he's like, man, I'm displaying this this affection towards you, but my hope is that you're going to abound in it also. How do I know that? Because it says it in verse 9. It says, "And and it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through jesus christ to the glory and praise of god after he expresses his affection he shares with them that he's praying for them you see what he's praying for them that their love may abound more and more and if you think about it, it's appropriate that he's pl- that he's praying for abounding love because love doesn't come natural to us. Any amens to that? Like we're we're naturally in the flesh, we're kind of selfish, kind of self-consumed. We're kind of into our own deal. But that's why he's praying. He's like, I want you to experience the same love and affection that I've basked in, and now I'm extending it to you. And I love the term that he uses for them. I pray that it abounds. This idea of abounding is that it's literally flowing, overflowing out of you. I don't know if you've had like a shaken up Coke or something before and been surprised when you open it and you're just like, ah, oh, it's all over me. I think that's the picture that God wants of the church. He wants us to be so shaken up that, man, you take the top off and you, we're getting all over everybody around us. I know that's kind of a gross image there, but you get the idea here. This last Sunday, was kind of encouraging. I was just chatting with a, a family after the service. They were here for the first time and kind of going through a difficult season, and, and uh, the, the, the lady was tearing up a little bit in conversation, and Stephanie Ross was walking by, and she noticed that, and she says, hey, can I come over and, and just pray for you a minute? It looks like you're having a hard time. I was like, she was like, the, the lady, after she got prayed for, literally, no exaggeration, like mouth was like, did that just happen? Somebody, did somebody just care about me enough to actually take time and pray for me and check in? And I'm like, you know what? That's what I think he's talking about. Love that abounds so much that people are like, draw- you know what? When we get this love thing right, people are drawn to it like a magnet. People are drawn to it like a magnet. It was, it was fun this week. Adrian got a, a phone call in the church office. She grabbed whatever call was coming in. And we get lots of interesting calls at the church. Uh, but this call was from a guy, and he was on the East Coast, and she starts talking to him a little bit. And he's like, you know, I was just wondering uh, if you wouldn't mind uh, praying for me. And she's like, she's like, she's just kind of reflecting on this. I, I know our church has been growing, but like the East Coast is pre- coming to us for prayer now? And, and he tells a little bit more of his story, and he says, I've been there a few times, and I knew I could call and be prayed for, even though he's on the other side of the country. I was like, what a testimony to what God's doing in and through the people here, that you can be on the opposite side of our country and be like, you know, I'm going through a hard time. I could use some prayer. I know what I'm going to call. I'm going to call a Gora Bible Fellowship. They'll pray for me. It's like, man, that's my heart is for us as a church. The same prayer that, that Paul is praying for them that ABF would grow in our love for each other and for the world around us. God could do some radical things through us. He points to the reason for that. He says, so that, I'm sorry, more and more, with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. He's thinking about that, that overflow. He's saying that he wants to make sure that we're blameless for the day of Christ that we approve what is, what does it say there? Excellent. That's really a part of our job as Christ followers, kind of weeding through the, the mess of, of things that come past us, the things in our week, and assessing, being able to discern, what's. hey, what's excellent? What should get my attention? What should get my affection? What should, what should get uh, my time? Those, those assessments, he's saying, because... We're wanting on the end of this, upon his return, to be seen as righteous. So there's a minimal amount of remaining change needed. Man, my hope and my prayer for us as a church is Christ's return is just like, man, there's some little tweaks we need to do, but not major overhauls. Like all the major overhaul got taken care of in their 30, 40, 80 years, whatever it is, 100 years here on earth. That's already taken care of. I want love for us, and I think this is what he's pointing at for there to be as little remaining change necessary as possible. Like, man, we're, we're, we're not perfect, but we're getting there. We've made some major strides, and that's what he's pointing to at the end here, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through who? Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. These are the common bonds as he's starting this conversation that that, that likely interrupted their life in a drastic way. He's pointing out, uh, building up that initial just out of the gates. These are some bonds we have. We're we're partners in the gospel. We're all partakers of grace. We're abounding in love. All of these things were his desire for for this church, and he's writing this from a little cement cube or concrete cube. Just say, man, this is my, you bring joy to me. And I'm confident that God could do these things and expand these things in each one of us. Let's pray towards that just as we wrap up. God, thank you for this letter. Even as it's an intro to the conversation, we thank you for the bonds that we have in Jesus Christ. Relationships really aren't possible without that degree of shared mission without that same degree of shared passion. I pray that you'd build those bonds in this church, that we're all understanding that we're drinking from the same cup of grace. We thank you for that. We praise you for your patience with us. We thank you for this encouragement that the work that you've started, you're going to bring it to completion. We're not the finished product. Don't grade us yet. Thank you for your grace, God. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for this letter that you prompted Paul to write, God, that I believe can shake and stir us up even today. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Amen, amen. Well, it looks like we all made it. We survived the life interrupted. Is it okay, John? You're okay. all right? You, you handled it all right? All right, well, I pray you have a wonderful week. I'm excited to see how God's going to interrupt each one of our lives. pray you have a wonderful remainder of your Sunday. God bless you.